Hi, I'm Samantha. Hi, I'm Sarah. And, and we, we are, are the, the Doom, Doom Crew. Damn you! Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome back to the Doom Crew. We've been on spring break, and wow, we needed it. Yes, we've missed you all in telling our phenomenal stories. <laughs> Should we call our stories phenomenal? I, no, it's. <laughs> I no, know. I was laughing because of the dogs. We've been missing telling you all about our lives and all the crazy things that are going on. So we'll have a crazy chit chat for you for this um, week. Yes, we will. Um, to start, you moved. I did. Yeah, I watched all of Ginny and Georgia for the first time. I moved and I rewatched The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> Oh my God, which season? Um, currently, I'm on season eight. Oh, did you start at one? No. Oh, okay. No, I started at season eight. Oh, I just, okay. I was real concerned. It's one I don't remember. So sure. I started okay. with it again, and then I remembered I do remember it, but yes. I kept watching. So. Yeah. I, it's just one of those shows you can watch over and over and over. Yes, because I always forget what they're going to make. Like, they're steamed buns. It looks delicious. And I wanted to text you and be like, Samantha, you need to make steamed buns. Um, Yeah, now that I have my KitchenAid and I've been into, like, making bread, which we'll cover at Chit Chat. Like, I really want to rewatch and, like, pick out recipes I want to make. Same. And, like, okay, let's, let's, let's do our show yeah. and then we'll Chit Chat about... Yes, things we, we have so much. Up. I don't. Since you don't live with me anymore, we have so much to talk about. And it's all new for us too, guys. Yes, so. for sure. I even have a surprise later for Sarah. A surprise story or something? A No, just a surprise for oh. you. I feel weird about this, but okay. I know. You should. Does my husband know? <laughs> yes. That's not very surprising that my husband knows. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I checked with him before. I what? We'll get there. Okay. Okay. This week, I'm going to be telling a story about a disappearance or two. And I'm going to be talking about a small town family murder. Okay. I'm going to go first. Okay. So this case was suggested to me by my good friend Rachel out in Oregon. Uh, She said this was the case that made her first get into true crime and the first case that really stuck with her. And I think you'll see why. Okay. On the morning of January 9th, 2002, 12-year-old Ashley Pond left the Newell Creek Village Apartments in Oregon City, Oregon to walk to the bus stop. The bus would take her to the Gardner Middle School, where she would meet up with her friends, Mallory Weaver and Miranda Gaddis. She and Miranda were on the dance team together and lived in the same apartment complex. The total distance between her home and the school was less than two miles, but Ashley didn't make it to school that morning, and she didn't even make it to the bus stop. Oh, fuck. Friends and family gathered to help look for Ashley. There was no sign of her anywhere. Police initially said they thought that Ashley may have run away, but as the days turned into weeks, police admitted that this was becoming increasingly less likely. And a 12-year-old's running away, they don't, they're not gone for that long. They're not gone for days. No. Uh, She also didn't pack any clothes when she quote-unquote left, and she hadn't reached out to any of her friends. The FBI was involved within the first two weeks of her vanishing to help the Oregon City Police Force hand out flyers and search the area. They had no suspects or persons of interest in the case. On January 25th, newspapers reported that they'd brought in search dogs to aid in their efforts. There was very little newspaper coverage about Ashley disappearing from what I could find. So she disappeared on January 9th. And the first thing I could find on newspapers.com was from January 
24th. That's fucked up. 15 days after she disappeared. I'd have been posting that shit as a parent. I'm not parent shaming her parents. No. I would have been going to every local news station in the fucking tri-state area. I think those news, like, stations covered it, but newspapers.com had, like, nothing. And they have tons of coverage for what I'm going to tell you next. Um, But not very much about her just one girl going missing. Which is really upsetting. It does probably happen quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. That's sad. Yeah. So the dance team that Ashley and um, Miranda were both on at the school actually organized a fundraiser to help support search efforts. And they scheduled that for March 23rd of 2002. But on Friday, March 8th, 2002, 13-year-old Miranda Miranda Gaddis. I knew it. Left the Newell Creek Village Apartments bright and early for school. And unfortunately, she did not arrive at Gardner Middle School that day either. So they lived in the same apartment complex? Yep. Okay. Yeah. The Clackamas County Sheriff's deputies, along with almost three dozen police officers, helped search the nearby area and go door-to-door in the entire apartment complex. Police planned on checking a nearby local grocery store's security tapes, um, to see if they could catch her, like, walking past or anything, because it was kind of in between their place and the bus stop. And um, they also planned on going through the Gaddis family computer. Adding to the chaos, Miranda had just dyed her hair blonde when she used to be a brunette one week prior. So they oh, had, like, no, no photos. Yeah, they had no photos of her with blonde hair. So they had to circulate a picture of her that was technically, like, out of date. So that was frustrating for them that they didn't have a photo to go off of. And it was 2002, so it's not like we're taking selfies every day. That was not a thing. I mean, I don't do that now. Our cell phones didn't even take selfies. Well, no, not that like you do take one every day, but like a person in middle school that has a phone is that probably d- taking selfies. That dyed her hair, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in today's world, they would have an updated picture. Miranda's friends and family posted over 2,000 missing persons flyers around Clackamas County. Miranda's mom, Michelle Duffy, said, It makes me feel like I'm doing something. I can't sit at home anymore. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. On March 11th, just three days after Miranda disappeared, the FBI released a statement saying they were officially linking the two girls' cases. People started literally moving out of the apartment complex because they were scared that their children could be next. I would. I yeah. would 100% move. 100. 100% move. Terrifying. Over the next few days, police determined that the same person took both girls and that that person had to be someone the girls knew. No witnesses came forward saying they heard or saw any sort of struggle, and both of the girls' parents said that either one of them would have screamed, fought, what did done anything to garner attention if they were being like forcibly taken somewhere that they knew that their girls wouldn't just, you know, go quietly go with someone who is demanding them go somewhere. Yeah. You get it. Okay. Police asked people to think about neighbors that maybe were acting a little weird in the past week or so, or maybe people who could have like scratches on their hands, like, They were asking the public to just observe anything possible because they had 
no leads. Mm, this is so nerve-wracking. A week after Miranda disappeared, search dogs were brought in again to try to figure out like a direction that maybe they could have gone. Um, they brought in several dogs that searched around the apartment complex and the thick forest that was just behind the buildings. Police later said they were very pleased with the tracking work the dogs were able to do. America's Most Wanted did an episode about the girls. The police were combing through more than 700 leads, but at this point it seemed they didn't really have anyone to narrow it down to. About the search efforts, what were you going to say? It was just so sad. It is. About the search efforts, FBI spokeswoman Beth Ann Steele said, they continue to hold out hope that the girls will come home and come home alive. But the girls weren't found until August of 2002. They weren't alive, were they? No. But I'm going to leave you on that part of the story and tell you really horrible things. Okay. Yeah. Ward Weaver III. The piece of shit who killed him, obviously. Okay. Was born on April 6th, 1963 in Humboldt County, California. His father left the family when Ward was just four years old. And several years later, his mother married a man who turned out to be an abusive alcoholic. Together, they all moved to Portland, Oregon. Ward's sister, Tammy, later claimed that by the age of 12, Ward had already physically and sexually abused at least one family member. Oh my God. By 12? By 12. Oh, Jesus. His half-brother, Robert Budrow, said that Ward beat him up frequently while they were growing up. In 1981, a relative reported to police that Ward had raped and beaten her. Jesus. While police did investigate these claims, the Multnomah County prosecutors chose not to pursue charges. Why? Well, I'd love to tell you. He had just enlisted in the armed services, Sarah, and he was going to be leaving Portland, Sarah, so they didn't have to worry about him for long. Yeah, who cares, right? Yeah, the service was going to sort him out for them. Why bother with all that paperwork? Oh, my God. Yeah. Shortly after this, Ward graduated high school. That's right. Everything until now happened while he was in high school or younger. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so they when they were... Oh, my God. So when they were going to convict him, it was going to be as a child. Because he did this, like... No. Well, as a teenager? Like, um... Oh, the rape? Yes. Yeah. But then they decide not to because he was Because he's going to go to the to the services, so they're going to sort him out. He'll oh become a God. man. Oh, my God. He'll get okay. responsible and get yeah. some, whatever, discipline put into him, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. It's a fucking lie. Thanks. <sighs> so shortly after this, as I was saying, Ward graduated high school and joined the Navy Reserve, and that's where he met his future wife, Maria Stout. Maria was a native of the Philippines. Ward and Maria moved in together. <clears throat> Excuse me. They moved into Maria's parents' home together, and quickly thereafter, Maria became pregnant. Because doesn't that put you in the mood, staying with your in-laws? Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. So he was discharged from the Navy on May 17th of 1982 for excessive drinking and dereliction of duty. Then, at five months pregnant, Ward physically assaulted Maria. She refused to press charges despite having to be hospitalized after the attack. Oh, fuck. 
Maria gave birth in December 1982 to a son, Francis. It was later determined that Francis was not Ward's biological child. Oh, really? We're going to get into it later, but I don't remember how I phrase whether I say like, now remember when I told you? Like, I don't remember if I do that or not. So, Remember Ward's father? (laughs) The one who left when he was four? Yes. In 1981, he murdered a young couple whose car had broken down in Tehachapi, California. He buried their bodies in his backyard. He was tried and sentenced to death for the crime in 1984. And he is suspected of up to 24 other murders, which make him a suspected serial killer. Oh, my God. Ward's dad. Okay. So, friends in the family? Like you don't even know. Oh, fuck. Ward III and Maria Stout finally married in 1984, the year his father was tried and sentenced to death for that crime. They moved to Bakersfield, California with their son, Francis. They lived there for a couple of years until an incident occurred. Ward attacked the teenage daughters of a friend, striking 15-year-old Jennifer Ordanoa with a concrete block. Holy shit! He was sentenced to three years in prison for the assaults. And quickly after he was released, he and Maria packed up their kids and left California. They moved to Canby, Oregon, where they operated a store together. I didn't look into what kind of store. I didn't fucking care. No. It was here that Maria gave birth to their fourth child, Mallory Weaver, in 1989. Also, I know that says fourth child, I literally couldn't find anything about child two or child three. Okay. So I, I was like, no, I have no idea. I have no clue. I did can't. I miss that? Did I zone you, and just you reported births? I wasn't aware of. Okay. You did not. No. Okay. Francis was first. Mallory was last. That's what mm-hmm. I know. She was born in 1989. Mm-hmm. Can I put it together or do you not want me to? No, the pieces have already been said. Okay. She's their friend. She's their friend. He was their he was a dad to their friend. And then that's how he got them in. And that's how he raped and murdered them. Yeah. That piece of shit. I want to... My kid's never going to sleepovers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've decided now. He's never going. Okay, I understand your hesitation. Sorry. Absolutely. I know. No. I heard the ear and I was like... Yep. It was... Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ugh. People suck. Yeah. In 1993, Maria filed a restraining order against Ward and they were divorced. Ward was then jailed in July of 1995, just two years later, for beating his new girlfriend, Christy Sloan, with a cast iron skillet. Holy shit. Have you ever lifted one of those things? Yeah. They're heavy. They are. Christy refused to testify against (sighs) Ward. And they were back together by October from July. How old was she? Do you know? It, it did not say. It didn't have a lot of info on her. I'm just wondering if she was young. I would guess so. I mean, at this point, he was like 32. So she was probably definitely in her 20s. Yeah. You know he didn't go for older. No. God, no. <sighs> yep. <laughs> we're both just like, oh. Yeah. They got married in February of 1996 
And they were married for four years. So they divorced in 2000. In August of 1997, so a year and a half after marrying Christy, Ward began an affair with another woman, someone from work. They moved into a rented home in Oregon City, Oregon. Oh. In the year 2000, Ward's daughter Mallory, now 12, met and befriended two girls from school who lived in the apartment complex across the street. <sighs> Ashley Marie Pond and Miranda Diane Gaddis. Knew it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't stand that the courts let scumbag dads like that get any custody. He and, like, he had have. a wild history already at this point. Yeah. He should not have been able to have any relation with his child. No. No. Not unsupervised by any means. Oh, my God. Okay. In August of 2001, Ashley Pond accused Ward of trying to rape her at his home. No charges were formally filed by the police in this incident, although they were notified of it. That's all I know about that one. Oh my God. Is that they were notified, but no charges were filed. After both Ashley and Miranda were missing, Ward had his son Francis help him dig a hole in their yard and then covered it with concrete. He told Francis that they were getting a hot tub and this was the pad for it. Francis, you're stupid. Yeah. Sorry, Francis. Don't be sorry. Why is he come back too? We'll get there. Oh my god! <laughs> this family! Prior okay. to him being arrested, Ward was interviewed in his yard by news station KATU. He was standing on the concrete slab. Oh my god, he gave an interview. Standing. On top of the dead girls. Is it about the dead girls? Yes. Because they went missing across the street. And he was the father of one of their friends. He was asked about the slab by the Oregonian, to which he replied, I'm putting in a jacuzzi. The last time I checked, that wasn't against the law. <laughs> Die. I don't know that he spoke all smarmy like that, but I imagine he did. Well, It was better than the um, accent I was going to give him that I realized he wouldn't have because we're not in Alabama. <laughs> no, he lives in Oregon. Yeah, but I wanted to give him an accent. Like, he was from Alabama, so. You should cut that part out, because that's insulting to all Alabamians. My family's from Alabama. I will make fun of them. Really? Your family's from Alabama? <laughs> Some of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. He also told a Portland Tribune reporter that he was the prime suspect. There had been no released information from anyone about anyone being a prime suspect, or even that there was a prime suspect in the case. Oh, he was quoted on Good Morning America as saying, I have no problem with them looking at me as a suspect. The problems are coming with what they're doing as far as questions that are being asked of my family. They're telling parents of my daughter's friends not to let their daughter spend the night because I'm a prime suspect and their daughter might be next. Okay. Not wrong. Yeah. Things broke wide open on August 13th, 2002. Francis Weaver called the police and told them that his father had attempted to rape his 19-year-old girlfriend. While on that call, he also relayed that he had concerns about his dad's involvement with the disappearances of Ashley and Miranda. 
Ward was arrested at this point for the attempted sexual assault and a warrant was drawn up to search his property related to the girls going missing. Ashley's stepmom had suspected Ward from the jump and she placed a sign next to the concrete slab that said, dig me up. Oh, Jesus. I just got goosebumps again. This case really fucking me up, man. Yeah, it's bad. A search on his property was executed on August 24th, 2002. On that day, Miranda's remains were discovered in an empty microwave box in a storage shed in the backyard. Ashley's remains were located the following day on August 25th, 2002, underneath the concrete slab. She'd been placed inside a 55-gallon barrel. Oh. Yeah. Ward remained under arrest until October 2nd, 2002 for the attempted sexual assault of Francis' girlfriend. On that day, on that day, he was indicted and charged with six counts of aggravated murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse, one count of attempted aggravated murder, one count of first degree attempted rape, one count of sexual abuse in the first degree, one count of sexual abuse in the second degree, and two counts of sexual abuse in the third degree. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ward was being difficult when it came to his trial. First, he asked for the trial to be moved to a different county. His now 15-year-old daughter, Mallory, had written him a letter saying, Daddy, make it stop. He said he wouldn't get a fair trial in Clackamas County. The judge said... I don't really fucking care what you want, you slimy piece of shit. Yes, agreed. Okay, well, the judge just said no, but I think we can read between the lines. No, what he meant was, fuck you, you slimy piece of shit. Correct. A couple of weeks after getting Mallory's letter, Ward accepted a plea deal. Ward said he did it for his daughter. His lawyer straight up told the press that Ward didn't offer to plea until after the judge said he wouldn't move the trial location. Ward called his attorneys the very next day to talk plea bargains. Being the most moral human on the planet, Mm -hmm. um, Ward didn't want to take responsibility for all of the things he was charged with. Of course not. He wanted the prosecutors to dismiss the charges of sexual abuse of a young girl and the rape and attempted murder of his son's girlfriend. Oh, okay. In the end, Ward pled guilty to the murder charges and no contest to the rest in September of 2004. Because he accepted this plea bargain, he avoided the death penalty. He was sentenced instead to two life sentences without the possibility of parole. While in prison, another inmate, who was a barber, stabbed Ward with his shears in the neck and shoulder area during a haircut. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, the barber was disciplined and Ward recovered. Not so happy. Yeah. In 2009, this part's going to fuck you up too. In 2009, Miranda Gaddis's sister, Mariah, went to see Ward in prison twice. She said she just had to know what happened to be able to put it behind her. Weaver told her that he'd murdered both girls with his bare hands. He told Mariah that he had planned to murder her next. Oh my God. Yes, that gave me chills. You were right. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked. Why? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. No, you're fine. On February 17th, 2014, Francis Weaver was arrested and charged with murder. 
He and three others had allegedly robbed and killed Edward Spangler, a 43-year-old man, in Canby, Oregon the day before. Remember Francis's mother, Ward's first wife, Maria? Yes. She was really upset that Francis was being charged with this crime. She insisted that he was only being accused because of Ward's involvement with his life. This is when it finally came out that Ward wasn't Francis's real father. So this is the later, when he was oh, charged with murder. he didn't know? Neither of them knew. Ward didn't know. Francis didn't know. Maria knew. <laughs> so she came out and was like, hey, stop beefing on my son. It's not even his daddy. Basically, yes. So He's they used... Scumbag. Yeah. They used DNA collected during Ward's trial to compare with Francis's, and Maria was absolutely right. Francis was not Ward's child. Hmm. Do you want to know who she thinks it is and why? Oh my God. Does it, she think it's like his dad or some crazy shit? Okay. Who? No. So she was interviewed and she was like all up in arms. She's like, it's not even his kid. Like, I don't know what she sounded like, but she was like all up in arms about it. And they were like, well then whose is it? It is either. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and no shame. Once you hear why, like, Props to this lady. Either now deceased Marine named Richard or a Navy man named Christopher. Oh. She said that at the time, Ward had just raped her. And so she was trying to get back at him in any way she could. So she went out and fucked other dudes. But then she ended up pregnant and was like, oh, fuck. So she went back to a rapist? <laughs> to her, yeah. Yeah, they were living with her parents, yeah. Oh my god, what a clusterfuck of a life. Yeah. Welcome to the world, Francis! Welcome, Francis. You're screwed from the get-go. I was just going to say, we're so happy you're here. <laughs> we're not, though. We're no. not. Um, you know, so she was right that he wasn't Ward's, but she was wrong that he didn't do it. Oh, well... Francis, yeah, Francis Weaver confessed to the murder of Edward Spangler and provided police with the gun used in the crime. In a tearful statement in court, Francis said, I know he was a good man, a very good man and a good son. That was never supposed to happen. It was basically like they were just trying to steal. They were trying to rob and they were trying to steal the drugs he had, the weed. And this guy ended up shot and killed. So he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. He makes the third generation of Weaver to be convicted of murder. Both Weaver men still sit in prison. I don't know which prisons. Who cares? Rotten hell ward. One final thing. Oh my God, there's more. It's more positive. Okay. In 2007, when Ashley would have been graduating high school, her mother, Lori Pond, went on to support a bill that would require Oregon police to send DNA from unidentified bodies to a federal lab in Texas. While Lori and the Gaddises know that this wouldn't have impacted their case, as when the girls were found, they were immediately identified, they said they recognized the benefit it can have for other families who need answers um 
I don't know if you know, there's about 50,000 unclaimed and unidentified bodies in morgues across the U.S. And there's 105,000 at the time this article was written um, missing persons in the U.S. Don't we think a lot of that probably coincides and we probably have some answers for families? Like, so just waiting. So, so fucking sad. Yeah. Lori said she was hoping this would bring peace to some families. Um, basically, she said that she knows it's not an answer, but it narrows down possibilities for parents who are, don't know where their child is. That's got to be the worst feeling in the world. I literally cannot imagine because I don't have children, but also like... Even if you did, I, I cannot imagine. Yeah. I have a child. Yeah. I would not be a person if no. my child were missing. No. I can't imagine that fear. No. Absolutely not. Fuck Ward Weaver the third. So yeah. And Ward Weaver Jr. Yep. And Francis Francis. Weaver. I mean, it sounds more like he just fucked up, but I mean, that's a big fuck up. That's a big fuck up. That's a big fuck You don't just accidentally bring a gun to a... Yeah. yeah. Like you, you brought a weapon, you utilized it, you knew what was going to happen. Most likely you knew the guy was going to die. So yeah, that's that. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Not asshole. (laughs) Right? I see why it stuck with you, but holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. So bad. At least we didn't. I'm going to be honest. At least I didn't have to hear details about what happened while they were. No. The stuff didn't really get into that. Um, But when y'all see my sources in the show notes. There's so many. I literally have an entire page of sources because I used um, our newspapers.com and like, cause there were all kinds of articles and as days went on, like I put them in chronological order. So you'll see some that are like, boom, 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 right after each other as like developments were happening. So, okay. Your case was extremely long and mine is going to be extremely short and they are very different. That is fine. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. So, on September 25th, 1987, seven members of the Buckner and Schnick families were dead in Elkland, Missouri. So, what happened is seriously something of a nightmare. Paramedics arrived at the Schnick farm to find Julie Schnick, 30, dead in her bedroom, and her husband, James Schnick, a volunteer firefighter and dairy farmer, wailing in pain, suffering from a gunshot wound and stab wounds, as well as a dead 14-year-old boy in the hallway. Whoa. That 14-year-old boy was Kirk Buckner, Julie's nephew. Okay? Yeah. James claimed he was forced to stab the boy to death when Kirk was attempting to murder him to stop the rampage that had been occurring. When the police arrived, the police noted Kirk was clutching a twenty-two caliber pistol in his right hand at the time of his death. Luckily, the couple's daughters, Jamie and Mindy, were at their maternal grandparents' house, so they were not present at this time. Can I make a guess? What? The gun is in his right hand, but he's left-handed. Shut the fuck up, Samantha! (laughs) I was like, why are you calling out what hand it's in? Um, Okay, only because I'm a lefty. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to cut your answer out. I'm really fancy. No, I don't think I know this story, but maybe I do. Okay, keep telling. I'm so excited. Okay. It's horrible, but... Okay, so two deputies were dispatched to the Buckner Dairy Farm, only five miles away, where Kirk lived with his family. Okay. Um, and that's where they found an even more gruesome scene. 
Kirk's mother, Jeanette, who is 36, and Kirk's three younger brothers, Denny, eight, Timmy, six, and Michael, two, were all murdered by gunshot wounds inflicted by a 22 caliber. Oh, my God. Halfway between the Buckner and the Schnick farm, they found Kirk's father, Steve Buckner, 35, laying on the side of a gravel road behind Pleasant View Cemetery, dead by a gunshot wound to his head. I think I have heard this case. How the fuck? I had never heard this. I think MFM covered it. It's not a long one. No, that, I mean, keep going, absolutely, but holy shit. So there was no logical reason for these murders. The police thought it may have been due to the financial struggles in the family and Kirk, as Kirk and the rest of the family were working relentlessly to keep the family dairy farm afloat. And it was just too much for the team. The Buckner family lived in a rundown farmhouse in rural Elkland. Every morning before the sun came up, Kirk was up doing his chores. And every day after school, he ran home from school to complete the rest of his chores. He had little time to do absolutely anything else. His life revolved around helping his family. Mm. During a joint service for the family, that included more than 500 attendees, Reverend Wilburn Stewart stated, In mankind, there's a breaking point. Something in Kirk reached that point, and he just snapped. Many of the residents of Elkland couldn't believe it. One of the townspeople, George Chapman, stated, There's no way Kirk could have done it. He was a good boy. Everyone knows that. Another neighbor, Mary Shoemaker, stated, I'd seen him with his brothers and how he loved his mother. She couldn't comprehend such violence from such a good-natured teen. Mm. The county prosecutor, Don Cheever, Don Cheadle. It's fucking Don Cheadle. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> did you say Don Cheadle? Nope, Don Cheever. Cheever! Stated that they received countless calls from the residents claiming there's no way Kirk could have done such a thing. Some of them, like George's statement, where he was a great kid, he couldn't have done it, but then there were others that made a little sense and required the police to do a little more digging. So, Sheriff Fraker began to probe more. He was too suspicious to believe a teen could murder his entire family in such a gruesome manner. Yeah. So the sheriff called his friend, Sergeant Tom Martin, who was with the Missouri Highway Patrol, to assist him in reviewing evidence. They found quite a few discrepancies. Some of the glaring obvious ones were, how the fuck did a 14-year-old weighing between 90 and 130 pounds drag his 250-pound father two and a half miles? Wait, he was dragged? He was dragged. He was dragged. Yes, he was dragged from the home to halfway between the the farms behind a cemetery. Okay, in the story, I thought I remember the guy was running from like one to the other and got shot while he was running. Nope. Okay. So maybe it's a different case. Yeah. So, nope, on this one, he was dragged. Wow. Um, James, the survivor, claimed he was forced to stab his nephew to death with a steak knife, yet the autopsy report revealed that he died from a gunshot wound. There was also the fact that James's wounds were nowhere near as fatal as he claimed. He was throwing himself around, was refusing to be released from the hospital, and they were all just superficial wounds. The final piece of evidence they found was information they learned from high school Kirk attended. Kirk was left-handed. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote here, in case you forgot, the murder weapon was in the right hand. I remembered. Some my fault. I knew right away. So the police called James in and asked him to do a lie detector. And he agreed. Prior to the lie detector test, the police interviewed James, bringing attention to the details that didn't line up with the evidence. 
After two and a half hours of questioning, James broke down and admitted to <gasps> authorities that he murdered his entire family. Holy fuck. Why? There was no motive <gasps> provided what? by James. No. No. The pl- authorities suspect that James may have killed to benefit from wills and insurance po- policies. Yeah. Um, Sheriff Frager stay- still feels there's some mystery involved. I don't know what was in the man's mind, he said. There is a possibility we will never know. What the fuck? There was also talk. There was also talk around town that James was feuding with his brother-in-law Michael. Authorities never commented in the dispute if that were true or not. So we hmm. don't know if they were feuding. We don't know if he killed them because they were all broke. But it was a huge thing that dairy farmers in this area are rarely doing well financially, and it yeah. just is the way of life. Yeah, like I've heard that. It just is. They don't believe that. That's why. That's why they couldn't believe that Kirk had killed because that's the only life Kirk had knew. Yeah, it didn't change. So like, it wasn't a new circumstance. No, it was their lives from day one. Hmm. So, um, at his arraignment, James appeared in a white T-shirt and blue jeans, unshaven, with his hair matted. Oh. He was convicted. In the death of his wife, Julie, and his two nephews, Kirk and Michael. Michael was the two-year-old. He was also accused but not tried in the deaths of his brother-in-law, Steve, Jeanette, Kirk's mom, Mm -hmm. and then their other sons, Dennis and Timmy. So just to explain the family relation real quick, James's wife was the sister of Steve Buckner. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was his nephew-in-law. Got it. That he framed um anyways he was sentenced to death in 1988 unfortunately that was overturned and he pled guilty to three of the deaths and was sentenced to three life prison sentences without parole on may 1st 1992 so some of the townspeople were still pissed and voiced anger that kirk had been buried as a killer uh one kirk got the most unbelievable raw deal to be killed and accused of killing said gordon t grant the assistant principal at marshall field high school yeah and that was a kid nope and this was a kid that never got himself into trouble Hmm. so sheriff fracker (laughs) defended their initial beliefs about kurt noting that evidence as first appeared to be substantive mr schnick's account of the killings but he said pressure by the news media may have forced his department to issue the findings prematurely. He stated, you have to give them something. And this was what seemed obvious. It happens a lot this way. Doesn't mean it should. Yeah, the Sir? sheriff was literally like, so, well, whatever. This is what we do. Yeah. We made shit up on this. It's just what happens. It's your fault. Yeah, you, you pressured, pressured me. Us. Yeah, so... Blamed a 14-year-old kid who was murdered at the hands of his fucking uncle because you felt pressure. And it, it's fine. It, it looks that way. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. So, yeah, a ton of people thought that it was really short, but it blew my fucking mind that the sheriff admitted that they just that they do said this. it. That they just do this. That they're like, you know what? This was our case, and that's, this is what it looked like. This is what it looked like. So we went with it. So they just went with it. What the fuck? So that's so messed up. Steve isn't his name. James. Steve was the poor uncle that died. Okay. James, yeah, police said that he refused to be released from his um, hospital room to go in for questioning to discuss what happened. 
because he was in so much pain from his superficial wounds. From his superficial wounds. Needed band-aids. Yeah. Um, he went to the family funeral. How dare. I know. How dare. He was taken there by his wife's parents. Because they believed that he was in a terrible situation and had to murder their grandson. Can you imagine that? And later finding out that that piece of shit actually just murdered three of four of your grandchildren. I would have two children. I would have an actual just mental breakdown and have to stay in the place with the nice socks for the rest of my life. I know. Like that's mind boggling. Yeah. Wow. It's short. It's fucked. But he fucking blamed his nephew. It's disgusting. 14-year-old boy. That was literally it. It was really short. That sucked. I mean, you did great. It wasn't much of That guy sucked. He looked... Yeah. Um, Your guy looked... Too, I looked him up. Also... Oh, yeah. He looked awful. I know we're not going to talk about this. Um, You can stop it if you want. But I just wanted to tell you what I learned about... um, Weaver Jr. He killed the couple, but he kidnapped the girlfriend and raped her all the way back to California. Yeah. You left that part out. I read it in one article and I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I'm not putting one, another goddamn source up there. (laughs) Not doing it. Yeah. He raped her all the way back to California. Yeah. So fucked up. What is wrong with this family? Three fucking generations. What happened in your genes? Right, and Francis didn't even have those genes, which, again, again, his was, like, circumstance. It wasn't like he plotted it out. He didn't fucking steal children. No, it's very different. He didn't rape women. Correct. He didn't rape women. Like, he called the police for his girlfriend. Yeah, like... When his dad... Oh, my God. Fuck out of my dad. Well, and, like, when he told the police, like, he had concerns, like, Ward had confessed to Francis that, like... He had killed the girls. Oh, he did? Yes. Did you say that? No. Okay, good. I just said that um, um, that when he called about his girlfriend, he, concerns, he, so. he said that he had concerns about his dad's involvement. Let's go grab a drink and come back. We have yes. a lot to talk about. We sure do. Ha. Huh. I want to hear my surprise before we talk about anything else. Because... You want to hear the surprise first? Yes. yes. Okay. Duh. Hang on. So, um, I first wanted to see if you had seen this see. before I ask you a question. I'm texting you something. Oh, okay. Um, seen Sam Hunt outskirts. No, I have not. Oh, Lily Rose and Brett Young. So we have tickets and we're going to go when they come to Dallas. Yeah. How did you get tickets for that? When? When? When is um, it? They literally pre-sailed on the 7th, so I bought them Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. When is this? Are they go- We're going to Dallas? August. Yeah. Oh my God, it's going to be so hot. I'm so excited. I know, it's going to be so <laughs> fucking hot, but I saw Lily Rose, and I was like, we've been singing a lot of Sam Hunt in the car. I think you enjoy Sam Hunt, and I, I really know you love- fucking love Lily Rose. And I do like Brett Young, too. Yes. So we're going to see all of them in August. You, me, BJ, and probably Cheyenne. I mean, okay. I have a fourth ticket, so. 
Okay. Oh my God. Yes. No, I'm excited. Yay. Good. No, I'm really excited. I wanted to text you immediately after and be like, bitch, we're going to a concert. <laughs> I love concerts. Yeah. I literally saw this and it goes, oh, pre-sales tomorrow and like general sales Friday. And I'm like, I've been burned by the Eras tour and I don't believe that there's going to be tickets by Friday. But I saw that if you linked your Verizon Up account, you got into the pre-sale. So I just literally had to sign in with my Verizon account. And they were like, yes, you can purchase tickets. And I was like, fuck I'm yes. I'm purchase tickets. Yeah. Oh, my God. We got to get a hotel. Not really. We don't have to because I'm going to get drunk. That's why yeah. I said No, that's fine. We I'm could like, look into getting a hotel. It, I'm pretty sure it's on a Saturday. Oh, that's even better. It's August 19th, I think, is what it is. August 19th. Yeah. I, so the first thing I saw when I looked at this tour was on August 3rd, they're going to be in Carbondale. And I was like, oh, Carbondale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where I went to college. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then I looked and I was like, oh, they're going to fucking Dallas. Let's go. I love Sam Hunt. I saw him in Dubuque at the um, American River Festival. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited. Good. Pumped. Yeah, it's a Saturday. <laughs> I'm gonna get drunk. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I was gonna tell you about is um or that we were gonna talk about is that our dogs are sad since we moved apart. Oh yes. <laughs> like Yeah, I had to bring Potter with me today so he could play with Lavender. Yeah, and Lavender has been like not eating her meals as excitedly as before. Like she still has food. She yeah, she still has food. I fed her over an hour ago. That's very unlike her fat ass. Yeah, normally she eats right away, but she has been like sad. And so she's like not eating as much. And I'm like, she's fine. I mean, she's also not running around as much. So maybe she's not burning as many calories. <laughs> yeah, maybe That's probably why she, she played with Hades and Potter all day. Yeah. And my dogs still eat because they still have each other. <laughs> yeah. And Lavender is just like, this bitch is boring. <laughs> All she does is watch Ginny and Georgia. Yeah. And I? sit on this fucking computer. And be like, yes, I'm researching. I have to do a term paper so that we can do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Every week we do a term paper. Yeah. Um, I know. I was like, this is fucking homework. I wrote a 10 page paper today. Um, yeah. The BJ comes here still for work because his desk isn't set up yet. And yeah. he told me that she cries every morning when he yeah. comes here. She gets here or he gets here and she just. Yeah, whines and cries the whole time while he first gets here. Like, oh my God, you're back. Oh my God, you're back. Oh my God, a friend. Yeah, she cried when me and Potter got here. Yeah. She didn't know who to attack first. No, she was so excited. Um, but yeah, so because our dogs miss each other, and we do too, but we're going to like do family dinner tomorrow. And I think yeah. it's going to be so nice. Yeah, I'm going to bring Hades. Cause... Yes. I almost picked up Hades today. Did you know that that was part of my plan? No, you mentioned something earlier, but I didn't really yeah, understand. Yeah, I didn't elaborate. Okay, so we went, I picked up crumble cookies this afternoon, which means I have to drive like 30 minutes away to pick them up and 30 minutes back. And so I was like, okay, if I leave at like, if I get off work at three and I drive there and I get back, it'll be like four. And I was just thinking, if I can get to your house, like if I don't stop here and I go... That's like cutting five minutes, so maybe it only takes me till 4.15 to get to your house. And then if I bring Hades back with me, maybe he can have like 30 or 45 minutes to play with Lavender before BJ's off work and can take Hades home. So I was going to come try to steal Hades today so that Lavender could hang out with him. 
He wouldn't have been fun. No. No, there were storms. He was scared. Yeah. He would have hid under the bed. That was part of what I realized on the way yeah. home was it's yeah, storming. He would have been like, oh, okay, now I'm in your house. Okay, I'll go under your bed this time instead yeah. of my mom's. Yeah. But like, they just, they miss each other. So. Yeah. He's. It's he, quite cute. Lavender is like, while she's in the house, she's like by you. Yeah, she loves me. Yeah. Like, I Earlier today when I was like, uh, I'm going to come over, I miss Lavender. And you. But, um, <laughs> but Lavender. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so funny. I was like, no, I get it. She's, she's pretty cool. Yes. They're hugging right now. Shut up. I love her. No, she's very sweet. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um... So, so you moved. I did. I moved. We got into a house with a huge, huge backyard. Yes. Which I love. Um, I haven't put anything away. I've done like three boxes. That's okay. Um, I meant to do more today, but I kept my son home with me, Jack home with me. So you can't unpack with a four-year-old. No, no. I knew this on Monday when BJ said, Sarah said that Jackson can stay home with her on thursday which i don't know why she would do because she's supposed to unpack thursday and i was like yeah that's not gonna happen that didn't happen no i thought i could do it and then no today happened and i was like i'm not gonna do it and i was like "Ooh, i have tomorrow off too i'll do it tomorrow yeah am i allowed to in the future remind you that i know i can't do anything with jackson's home okay great but i also wanted to hang out with him i know he's such a cool little dude he's so funny yeah Oh my god! So yeah, we saw a spider in the bath in the shower today, when he was playing in my shower. Um, my son does not do bugs well. No, <laughs> he, he doesn't the do fuck like out. mess well. No, he doesn't like that his bedroom isn't put together, but he loves that he can play with his. The first thing we do is unwrap his toy box. Yeah. So he's been playing with all of his toys and then leaving them random places and then getting upset when they're not where he had left them because in his brain he remembers where he left them but if i put it away that's not where he had put it hello adhd so yeah i know yeah I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm like oh my god that's my whole entire fucking I'm, life i'm hoping it's just cuz he's 4 yeah his birthday's coming up super excited he's going to be 5 he's going to be such a big boy he's actually going to be 4 He's going to be five before this episode comes out. <laughs> That's, That's what, what I was, I was just going to say. I was like, he's going to be five by the time the episode comes out. He will be. He's yeah. A, he's a St. Patty's Day baby. Oh. He was born at 542 AM. And I was born two days after that, but many years prior. Many years prior. Yeah. Rude. Um, yeah. He is excited for his birthday. We're getting gifts from family, like from iowa being shipped here yeah so i'm gonna wrap them and give them to him on his birthday so he gets presents on his birthday yeah um we're also going out for your birthday yes at what time 11 a.m okay we'll leave here at like 10 i'm riding with you obviously yes i assumed we would all ride together okay also bj understands he's included on that invite right like, I know that means that Jack would have to be at your dad's. My dad would have no problem with that because that night, yeah, after your birthday shenanigans, uh, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese for Jackson's birthday with my dad. Oh, on Sunday night? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I texted that to my dad. Um, per BJ's request, per Jackson's request, we are going to Chuck E. Cheese on Sunday the 19th. Would you be wanting to come? And he goes, is this a nightmare? <laughs> how does he even, how does he even know about Chuck E. Cheese? Of course we will be there. <laughs> but is this the nightmare made me laugh? 
<laughs> it is. It is, Father. It is a nightmare. You're more than welcome to come, too. Um, I will consider it. That was his request, was Chuck E. Cheese. I love that. I'm really happy that he um, wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese because my favorite was on Halloween. A boy walked by, and he was dressed as Chucky the doll. And Jackson <laughs> looks at him and goes, Chuck E. Cheese! Yeah. <laughs> So close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Jackson does this thing now where he says, I'm Chucky. I will be your friend till the very end. And then goes, ha ha ha. So fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what's nice is it's not creepy to me because I've never seen those movies. So it's not creepy. Oh, no, it's creepy. If you think about it, just even a little bit. I'll be your friend till the very end. Ha ha. And he doesn't like that. That's fucking creepy. No yeah, matter if you just like dead face. Yes. No inflection for the laugh. Just ha ha. Yeah. It is. Stop it. I will flick you in the eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. My cousin Andy is coming to visit. She'll be here in a few days. I'm really yeah. excited. I know. I'm excited to see her too. I know I'll see her like probably twice while she's here, but she's bringing her whole damn family. Yeah. There's five of them. That is too many. That is a lot. Two teenagers and a six-year-old, and then of course her husband. Um, um, my like back and neck are like always in pain. I finally made time and scheduled a massage. I'm doing like a ninety-minute with the um like first CBD lady. oil. What is it with the first woman you had? Because you didn't like the second one. That's right. So the first woman, Hannah, is booked. So I can't get into her unless I wait until April. I still might book her for some time in April, but I was looking through reviews and like who is available. And there's this woman named Amanda who's available and people talked about like, you know, deep tissue, feeling a lot better, whatever, you know, the usual shit you want to hear on a massage site. So, um, yeah, I booked with a new person who is apparently competent because the last one was not. No, she didn't go deep enough for you. No, not nearly enough pressure. And like I asked for more pressure and I've just never. I want to feel like I'm being abused. Okay. That's yeah. what I want. I want to leave there and be like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to bruise tomorrow. Yeah. That's what I want when I get a massage. Yeah, absolutely. I need deep tissue. Yeah. Because I, I need to go to a chiropractor. You've heard my back crack. Yes. I also need to go to a chiropractor and figure out what's up with my neck. Like, and your shoulder. Your shoulder's been doing weird shit. Yeah, my shoulder is doing like a this thing, thing, and BJ thinks it's rotator cuff. He's not a doctor, so I'm not super concerned at the moment. But like, I was like, oh, okay, well, how do you fix like rotator cuff? And he's like, surgery. And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> no, how do you fix it? at home like can <laughs> can you pull it a certain way yeah <laughs> like because to me what it feels like is that that arm is heavy like it feels like I'm like I can feel that I'm supporting that arm with the shoulder over here I don't feel that it's just an arm it functions as it should nothing feels heavy but on this side it feels like it's heavy so I thought oh it's out of its socket so I keep trying to like flip it so that it like pops or something but it's just fucking painful i have no idea and then he's like it's just because you're getting old and i said go fuck yourself you hurt my feelings a lot 
sir, you are five years older than me at all times. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> at all times, you're five years older than me. That's how age works, BJ. I mean, that's valid. And guess what? You're all five years old, five and ten years older than me. You can go to hell. <laughs> Madam. <laughs> Madam. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? I mean, am Did I wrong? Did you hear that? No, you're not wrong. You're actually technically five and a half. I know. I was like, I know because you just turned 30 and I'm about to be 36. I know. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not super worried about it. It feels weird to think that I'm going to be 36. Like, I totally own being 35. Like, that makes sense. But when I say 36, I'm like, oh, shit, a bitch is getting old. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. A bitch may have a panic attack here in 40, a week or two. 40s around the corner? What the fuck? Like, I, I've never had what? any panicking around age. I didn't until I was going to turn 27. You I know I've told that. you this, but like. Yeah. I never ever felt any panic about any age. No. 27 hit me hard, and I didn't give a fuck about 28, 29, 30. None of that shit bothered me. Do you think 36 is going to bother you? I think it does. Uh, like, are you just, have a breakdown over 30s? You had a breakdown the other day. Dude, I did. I had a full-on fucking breakdown this weekend. I was just did, like... And I was like, I thought a bitch knew. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was panicking about, like, my control issues. <laughs> Once again. It was also the full moon. I, I was manifesting outside. A I bitch was, knew that she had control issues. Listen, I knew... Here's the thing. I know... That I like to be in control of things. I understand that. I did not. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I rediscover something. And I'm like there's no fucking way. That in 35 and 9 tenths years. I have not figured out. That control is like my like anger issue. But like it just hit me. That every time I'm angry. <laughs> it's because of control. How it's did you guys know? It's because I lost control. I don't know. I 100% thought you knew, dude. No! Because you get mad when something didn't go how you type ate it to go. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I, like, on one hand, I'm like, yes, of course, I don't like that. It didn't go the way I wanted, right? But then I'm just like, oh, no, that's everything. Like, when I get annoyed at the cat it's because they're not behaving the way in my mind I want them to behave and I'm just like god that's so fucked up of me to have like my cat's not acting enough like the cat I have imagined so it's annoying like how no, dare just my you fucking cat like inappropriately right like this is just my fucking cat this is how they exist this is their personality and I love their personalities Sometimes they're an <laughs> asshole, like Henzo. Yeah, he's a little troublemaker. Yeah, but like, and like Lavender's a baby. Like, why am I upset that she like doesn't listen the first time? She's a fucking baby and a dog. Yes, that too. <laughs> like, oh my god, I was just yeah, I was having like a breakdown over my control issues. I put it in my therapy notes folder in my Evernote. So don't worry, I'll bring it up to Stella. I was just. I was just saying, like, it just surprised me that you were surprised. Well, I think it was just like... It hit you harder. Yeah, I just, I was, I was being very introspective and I was, um, I was just going to say like the ritual I was doing for manifesting on the full moon was like 
on one sheet of paper, I was writing like things I'm not going to be a part of and things I'm not going to allow in my life. And then things that I want more of in my life. And so I wrote that I wanted less, you know, angry feelings. And then I just started like thinking about that. And I was like, yeah, why am I so angry right now? Mostly it was because I was trying to fucking manifest and this bitch wouldn't shut up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I love her, but I couldn't concentrate on what I wanted more of in my life when all I wanted was less barking. (laughs) It was very upsetting. And I was like, I can't get one fucking second of peace. I live by myself again and there's no fucking peace. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like... So excited. I haven't done a full moon ritual in months. And not because of you guys. I could do that while you guys lived here, obviously. But, but you I just hadn't done it. I just hadn't done it. I've been busy. I've been doing shit. And so I finally got the chance to do it. And Your then... Dog said no. Yeah. She was just like all up in arms about everything. So yeah, I was super annoyed and went down like a rabbit hole of like control issues. And I was like... Oh, I don't know. Did I text it to you? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. Control issues, trust issues. I'm a two for one special, bitches. <laughs> Come and get it. Oh my God. Yes. I don't have control or trust or anger issues. Oh I have God. other issues. I have just all of it. And I'm just like. Well, everybody has issues of some sort. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm, you know, going to therapy to be you know, this perfect version of someone like, no, it's about work and reflection. I think this just like being in therapy helps me topic. think about it. Yeah. No, you are very self-aware. We've, your therapist has said it and, and BJ told me this week that he thinks you're very self-aware. Yes. Well, yeah. Cause he was, he was sitting next to me when you sent the voice memos. Yeah. And he was like, most people would not acknowledge that that's a trait they don't like about other people and they feel hypocritical having that trait yeah most people don't realize that and i was like um yeah sir you (laughs) right (laughs) then i looked away i was like "Hmm, hmm. (laughs) who do i know like that yeah Hmm. gotta go (laughs) is it my husband or anything yeah no the next day he like when he came in so that would have been yesterday wednesday he was like yeah dude are you okay (laughs) i was like yeah, I'm fine in the daylight. The moon, <laughs> in the, daylight. the moon fucks me up. It was full to start with. I got emotional. Sorry, my aura spilled over. He was, yeah, he worries. Yeah, he does. It's sweet. Who's it's this? nice of him to worry. That's all his mother. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, your mom is a worrier too. And my dad is so not a worrier and no. I'm not a worrier. No. Like I don't worry and that bothers people that I don't worry. It's not that I don't care or I don't think about the worst things that could occur. I just prefer not to dwell on those things. Yeah, and like because it does nothing. No. It does it, nothing. It doesn't help. No, it not causes anxiety. That's all it does. I don't want that in my life. I have enough anxiety just existing. Yeah. I'm okay without more. That's another thing. I have my doctor's appointment today. Yesterday. A day. Yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, I've had really bad anxiety since I moved. Like, super bad. And she's like, really? Like, let's talk about that. And then she's like, uh, Sarah, have you realized that you're out of one of your medications? <laughs> nah, bitch. Didn't realize that. Nah, I've just been taking whatever pills are in front of me, man. <laughs> yeah. She's like, um, so one of your meds works off the other. Uh, you're off the one that it works off of. So it's doing the bare minimum here. You're barely scraping by it. I was like, you know what? 
That tracks. That makes sense. Yeah. Now I feel silly. (laughs) Every fucking time I like go into like a rage of some sort and the next day I get my period, I'm like, I knew I wasn't a bitch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know. I'm like, well, (laughs) secretly. (laughs) Uh, You're not. That's like when people see um, us out and about, they think like. Let's be honest. Most people think you're like, oh, the nicest one. I'm just the bitch. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. If there's a problem, I'm the one you don't want to deal with. Yeah. I'm the one who's going to wander away aimlessly feeling weird as shit about everything. That- yeah. Today I went to pick up my medications and I was also supposed to pick up my husband's medication and the woman cut me off before I could order his and I just drove away. <laughs> Oh my god! So, so you didn't get his meds? <laughs> That's how non-confrontational I am. Okay, I literally just like okay, I'll leave. I was like, yes. hello. Yeah, no, I literally. I would have just driven back around and been like, "Hi." <laughs> nope, I, I have more to pick up. I did it. I drove away awkwardly to your house. <laughs> like, I love I'm you. So non-confrontational. Like, if you come at me, I'm like, I don't care that much. Bye. Oh my god, no. And I'm just like, listen here. Yeah, like I think about. I it, was I'm like, raised by a Karen. You do go Karen, and I, I appreciate that I have a Karen friend, but I don't want to be in the presence of you when you're Karening. I would. I understand to be able to go out to the car and watch from a distance. Also, can I say, and I will cut this if I'm wrong. Can I say? That I think I only Karen when it's warranted. Most of the time, yes. Most of the time, sure. A little excessive. Listen, Huddle House had it coming. <laughs> You're so pissed at that place. Yes. You were so bad. Huddle also, House. I need you to Karen about my security deposit tomorrow. Yeah, no I will. Here. Make sure that you give me the phone number for that lady that I definitely have called before. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sending it to and you. And I am happy to. I'm sending it to you. You're getting your security deposit back. See, this is when it's helpful. I don't do it to like make someone's life harder or like give them shit over something they can't change. When they made a shitty choice, I'll talk to them about what the right choice should have been. And I understand what that sounds like now. It's a lot of (laughs) carroting. Yes. (laughs) However, like a company telling you, let me three examples, okay, of when I've (laughs) carried. Okay, okay. Three examples of when I've Karen in a good circumstance. This right here, where I'm going to call your landlord and tell them that you still need your security deposit back. Yes, I give your they address. They promised it to you, and you gave them an address, and they've not sent it. Okay. That's not okay. I'm going to call and complain because you won't, because that's $500. Okay. That's not nothing. Next. Second. <laughs> Fucking Huddle House. <laughs> We literally paid for our order. We showed up and they're like, oh, we don't make it until you show up. What the fuck is the point of choosing a delivery time or a pickup time if you're not going to fucking make it until I show up? I didn't order online so that I could sit in your parking lot for 30 minutes, Joe. I don't even know what his fucking name was, but he's a dick. So fuck Huddle House. And because they would have just stolen our money. They wouldn't have refunded us if we didn't show up. They just stole it. That's shady business. That's why I got... So fucking pissed. Also, Jackson was hungry. <laughs> you always use him as an excuse. <laughs> Let's be honest. The kid would be happy with the PB today. <laughs> yeah, he would be fine. But he was expecting a pancake. Okay. Third. And finally, for the night. <laughs> on this topic. <sighs> fucking Renaissance. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, yeah. I lost my shit on them and you should have just left. 
I wanted to so bad. I, I know. S- I should have told you, just go to the car. You don't need to see this. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to. But the guy literally on the phone said, yeah, come in tomorrow for your refund. We showed up and they were like, oh, well, that guy actually has to be. For what fucking purpose? The money's in your register. Why do we not have it in our hands? Because, okay, the guy went and talked to the manager, right? Yes. And then came back and confirmed, no, that guy has to be here. And then, so we call BJ and tell him we don't get the refund because the right guy has to be there. And I told him, I said, listen, I said, that sounds like bullshit and we need the money back. And he tried to tell me when they were open tomorrow during my fucking work hours. And I expressed that to them. Very loudly. As I we're did. halfway out the goddamn search, like, I didn't great! Even, I, didn't I even, then! I didn't even face him. No. I just kept facing the door and walked out and like, great! I, you already said it. I, I'm just going to cut that. But, so BJ calls, and then, all of a sudden, magically, they can issue the refund if we'll just come back to the store. No, fuck you! <laughs> you wouldn't issue the refund because... I asked for it, and I'm a woman, but a man called. So part of me wonders if it's because a man or if it's because he's really nice. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Listen. That is also possible. But I gave that man a chance to be nice. I, was not, I did not yell at him first thing. I was like, wait, so, so we can't get the money back. We were told to come in. But now we can't get the money back. And then I raise my voice after they go, yes, ma'am. The idiocy you just stated is correct. <laughs> well, you know what? Fuck you, Renaissance. <laughs> Fuck you, Renaissance. Oh, God. You went 100. I was so fucking awkward. Yeah. Well, next time I'm just going to say, Sarah, you should leave. I would appreciate that. And yeah. I will. I, I will. will gladly walk the fuck out of that store. I will do that. It'll probably also make the person that I'm talking to really fucking nervous. <laughs> if I say, Sarah, you can leave now. And I turn back to face them. I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> Dude, I wish my sister-in-law would have that decent C. Instead, she's God, yelling. No. She's yelling at this guy who totally deserved it. 100% at this fucking hotel. So she was not caring either. She was telling someone something they deserved. She was actually being very polite. He was being rude and it was making me uncomfortable. Oh, mm. So then I was slowly backing away. <laughs> With the suitcase. Yeah. And she looks at me and goes, Sarah, where are you going? Why? Why are you bring me back? I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Anywhere else. <laughs> Let me leave. Stop was, talking. I don't know you. I, was, I literally said, I don't know. She's like, you can't get back over here. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to. No, I can't do that. One, I just got yelled at for not standing in front of a fucking pex- plexiglass that I couldn't fucking see. And I just felt so uncomfortable. I was like, this is, this is hell. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the definition of how I die. <laughs> This is the end. I'm going to pass away. (laughs) From awkward moments. Yes. The awkwardness would just take you. I've missed you. Take me away. I missed you too. This is fun. Yeah. I will not Karen. I may look like the asshole, but I'm just a socially awkward one who doesn't know how to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us after we did our spring break. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Yep. We'll be back next week with more fucked up stories. That you want but don't want to hear. Yeah, pretty much. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for joining us on the Doom Crew today. We hope you enjoyed our spooky and humorous take on true crime. As always, we want to remind you to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Doom Crew Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve the show and reach more listeners who share our spooky sense of humor. So until next time, stay curious, stay spooky, and remember to always look over your shoulder. This has been the Doom Crew, signing off. Can we just do one fucking take? (laughs) 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 No! Please, baby.